The date was February the 11th, 1990. Place was Tokyo, Japan. The event was a boxing match between Michael Tyson and Michael Douglas. For Tyson, for Tyson, it was just a, a warm-up, getting ready for the fight with Evander Holofield. Douglas, it was an opportunity to make a name for himself. Tyson had come into the fight, heavyweight champion, undefeated. 37 fights, no defeats. 33 of the fights were by knockouts. Douglas had already lost four fights. The odds in Las Vegas for Douglas winning that fight were 42 to 1. Now, let me, let me explain that to you. That would mean if you bet $2,500 that Douglas was going to win and Douglas won, your payout would be over $100,000. The fight started and people were amazed that Douglas was able to stay in the fight really up to the eighth round. But in the eighth round, Tyson finally was able to score and he knocked Douglas down to the canvas. And it looked like the fight was over. The referee is standing over Douglas on, the, on down on the canvas and he begins to count. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. But before he could get to 10, Douglas staggers to his feet. Tyson said, man, he's in a daze. I'm going to finish him off. And he goes to finish him off, and the bell rings. And the next round, Douglas came out. But Douglas wasn't the same fighter that was in the eighth round. Something had happened to him. He had a fresh energy, a new vigor, a focus. He began to swing, and he knocked Tyson down and won the fight. Wow. That fight, even today, is considered one of the greatest upsets in sports history. Afterwards, an interviewer was interviewing Douglas, and he said to him, what happened to you? You were down on the canvas it looked like you were finished, you were dazed, and you got up in the next round and it was like you were in the first round all over again. You were like a different person. What happened down in the canvas? And here is what Douglas told the reporter. He said, my mother was my biggest fan. My mother was always encouraging me and taking me to the gym and helping me. My mother was gonna be at this fight my mother died three weeks ago. And before she passed away, my mother said to me, son, win this fight for me. And when I was down on the canvas, at first I heard the referee doing the count, but then I heard my mother, son, win this fight for me. And it caused me to get up and come back and try again. Michael Douglas won that fight for one reason. Well, flat on his back on the canvas, he discovered his why. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Discovering your why. See, when you know why something happens, your life takes on a whole different dimension. 
I have a saying that we shared with our leaders, and that is this, the person that knows how will normally have a job. The person that knows why will be the boss or the owner. Because see, when you know how to do something, you have a skill that they can hire. But you know why, you can apply the skill into other areas. When you know why, you can actually take the place of the boss. You, you come up to a different level of, of importance. Uh, give you an example of years ago, I met a young man named Adam. And uh, Adam was in his early 20s at the time, and he knew my youngest daughter, Julianne, from being involved in a youth group together in Tennessee. And uh, we, we discovered him over in Hawaii. We were over a few days early before our Hawaii event, and he came to visit her because he was over there, and I began to say, what are you doing in Hawaii? And he said, well, me and some friends thought that, you know, maybe the Hawaiians would love some Kentucky-type style or Tennessee to Kentucky-style movie, uh, movie music. So we came over to do a, uh, you know, uh, perform over here. I said, how's it working out? He says, really been bad. And they're inter interested in listening to us. And they were living in a tent, you know, in, on the beach and just really having a rough time. But I found out he had tech skills. So I said, Adam, I got an event next week over in Maui. Why don't you, let me fly you over there and why don't you help me out? And Adam came over and uh, I was so impressed with this man's attitude. The man, that, that he was always trying to do a little bit extra, asking what else he could do. He wasn't trying to say, I want to finish my job and get to the beach. But he was so focused on, on doing everything right. That at the end I said to Adam, I said, Adam, if this band thing doesn't work out, and you want to do something else? I said, give me a call. I'll hire you at our ministry. He said, what would I do? I said, I don't know. I don't have a job for you yet, but I'll find one. Because, see, when you find the right person, you get a job for them. The hardest thing to do is find right people. And so several weeks later, he called me, and he said, you know, this isn't working out. And I said, okay, Adam, we're flying you. And so we moved him to Tennessee, and he just started duplicating CDs in the warehouse and cleaning up and doing projects I invented. But everything he did, he did so well, he kept getting promoted until he became our ballroom manager. And one day at our California event, I came up to him, and I said, Adam, today, I don't want you to do your normal responsibilities. Get one of the other tech people to do that. I want you just to walk around with me. He said, walk around with you? I said, I want you just to observe what I do, and I want you to observe what I say, and if you don't understand, I want you to ask me why. I said, because see, Adam, you've gone as high as you can go in our organization knowing the what. You can only go higher when you know the why. Because when you know the why, you can apply it in other areas. When you know the why, you can run the ballroom when I'm not in it. See, that's the importance of knowing your why. And we're going to look at that today from a biblical perspective. So I'm really excited to, for our time together. And I just want to say it's great to be here with you. Uh, you know, you, I, I forgot to mention at a dinner last night, but Pasadena is part of my roots. Um, my dad was a, a pioneer pastor, a church planner in Ontario, Canada. And uh, during World War II, he felt that he wanted to get involved in the chaplaincy. And uh, they didn't have a program for that in Canada. So they had a program. They had a school here called Southern California Bible College, 450 Avenue 64. And uh, it's now Vanguard University in Costa Mesa. But that's, that, that time it was called SCBC. And so he came out here because they had a chaplaincy training. And so, of course, I came out with him. You know, uh, interesting story. He came out to train for chaplaincy. They had an eight-month program. But during the program, the war ended. 
So he was going to go back, but they were so impressed with him, they asked him to return the following year and become dean of students. So he comes one year as a, as a, uh, as a student. The next year, he's the dean. And during his year as the dean, the president retires, and the following year, he's president. So my dad went from student to president in two years. That's pretty good ascension. That's increasing. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so just to tell you, it's good to be back in, in a town where my roots are. Uh, but it's just good to be in a town whose name I can pronounce. Uh, when you travel such as I do, oh my goodness, you... you hit all sorts of crazy names of cities and can you imagine people having to try and pronounce it and spell it to everybody that they meet? Like I was speaking, I, I, I church in the secular arena with a group called Get Motivated Seminars and, and we had one of those down in the Miami area and we're driving down Interstate 95 and I said to the driver, there's our turnoff, Opalaka. And he says, no, it's not Opalaka, it's Opalaksha. I said, Really? Then the guy in the back seat said, no, you're both wrong. It's Caribbean. It's Opalak Cha, like cha-cha-cha. So I'm going to speak in this city. I have no idea how to pronounce its name. So we stopped at this restaurant to get something to eat, and I, and I called the manager of the restaurant over, and I said, sir, I said, I'm confused. Very slowly, can you please tell me, where am I? He looks at me kind of funny, and he says, Burger King. So I guess that's exactly where I was at. <laughs> and it's great to be here with, with your pastors and uh, uh, with Marlia and Cameron. You know, just uh, such incredible people. We had such a great time last night. Uh, and we have a very special guest with us in the front row. You don't know it, but you have very famous dignitaries here. <laughs> Phil and Dana Libatori. And uh, they are uh, key people in the Dream Center. But not only that, he has the greatest IRS problem-solving practice anywhere. I have clients that just keep raving about how much money he saves them. But it isn't just a matter of his technical skills. See, Phil is an increased thinker. Now, we'll get to that in a minute. But an increased thinker sees things that other people see, but where they see a problem, he can see an opportunity. Or they see a difficulty, they see a potential. I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, we were at a very unusual party. We were invited. It was called a vineyard blessing party. I've never been to a vineyard blessing party. I didn't know what it was going to be. But, so we go down there, and I was really impressed with the who the people are, meeting the mayor of Anaheim and, and different people like there that were there. And then, I, then they took me to the backyard, and I saw the vineyard. And let me tell you the story. These people built this house in the hill, several houses down the road, and all of them in the back, they had a little backyard, and then they went up the hill. In order to keep the mudslides when it would rain from them down, they had to, you know, put wild brushes and stuff up in the hill just to, you know, keep from having erosion. But Phil sees this hill, and he sees it differently than other people see this hill. He says, you know, if you would put a vineyard back here, he said, I could get you a tax write-off on the vineyard. I could get you, I think it was seven years depreciation, and your second vehicle could be written off as a farm vehicle. <laughs> now, that's what I'm talking about. See, he sees something, and sees something. That's the kind of guy you want to have. Yeah. So anyway, Phil, I don't know if you know this. I'm going to do this. I hope you have enough of these. Phil has the most unusual greeting card I've ever seen. It's a $5 Starbucks gift card. That's his business card. 
So if you're a business person and you'd like to get some, talk to somebody about, you know, or follow up with somebody about business, come and get a free Starbucks. It's, Phil has a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he needs more, he keeps them in the car. Yeah, so he can run out and get you more. But anyway, so great, great to have you here. And, and they're also board members of our ministry and just dear, wonderful friends. So good to have you here. Uh, just real quick, because uh, I want to get started. My time is up on introduction, but uh, where, where do I come from? Quick bio of Bob Harrison. You're, we're gonna, James, we're going to really fly on this one, okay? Uh, uh, we're all the way up here. Uh, oh, where did we go? I lost it. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, for many years, I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but I currently live in the Palm Springs area, a place called La Quinta. Uh, California. Uh, we decided to make the flip last year from being our part-time residence to a full-time. And I just tell you, there is no place to live like California. It's not just the weather. It's the environment that's here, the creativity. So many things are birthed in this state. Uh, it's just great to be surrounded here. But our ministry is still headquartered in Tulsa. It's amazing what you can do with tech crew. So all my staff is in Tulsa, and I'm living in in the La Quinta Palm Springs area, uh, managing the staff. Um, my, I got launched into the speaking arena by doing a miracle turnaround of a Chrysler dealership in Orange County. Uh, on the day that the owners decided to close it and declare bankruptcy, I had an accidental meeting with the owner. I don't believe in accidental meetings. I believe in divine appointments. And as a result of that a divine appointment, he offered to have me try and save his dealership. And said if I would do it, he'd give me 22% ownership. And so we came into that dealership not knowing what to do, but knowing where to go to find out what to do. And God gave us some strategies, and we not only saved the dealership, but in 90 days' time, it was in the top 10 in Southern California. And the following month, I bought the dealership. And so that's launched us into the speaking arena because people in dealer groups begin to know what did you do, how did you do it. And, and that's been over 30 years, millions of miles ago. Uh, traveling around the world. Uh, we've sold over one million audio programs. Uh, uh, we've spoken to some of the biggest audiences of seminars in America history, 20,000, 30,000 people. Uh, we've uh, had our own program on Trinity Broadcasting for four years, interviewing successful business leaders uh, around the world. Uh, my first wife, my childhood sweetheart, mother of my five children, unexpectedly was laughing one morning and dead that night. And I had to go through a real season of transition and self-examination and growing and married uh, her former best friend. And this, do we have a picture of our wedding? That is our wedding. And that is all of our children and our grandchildren at the time. Uh, but since then, we've expanded. We now have eight children between us, all married. That's 16 children, 22 grandchildren, and five great-grandchildren. So we don't just teach increase. Our family experiences it. What is increase? Increase, you can relax by the way, increase is not a teaching about money. Increase is a teaching about changing the way we process what we hear and what we see. My elevator talk when people say to me, oh, you know, uh, what do you do? I say, I, I'm, a, I'm an eye and ear doctor. They say, oh, really? Yes. I said, I change how people see and how they, how they hear. And changing how they see and how they hear, I change how they feel and change how they react. 
And because of that, as I just mentioned earlier, we can see a negative, but it becomes a positive because we have that different mindset that somebody else doesn't have. Uh, for instance, a, a, a while ago, just a few years ago, we were uh, with, with the Get Motivated seminar group, and we were in Kansas City, and I looked across, and we, our hotel was across the street from the, where the Kansas City ballpark was, and it was the opening day of the World Series, and Kansas City was in the World Series. I said, I'm across the street. People fly from all over the world to come to the World Series. If I'm across the street, I'm going to go to it. So I contacted Adam, my friend, that's also an increased thinker. He's the number one eBay seller of all times, and he teaches in the seminars. And I said, Adam, why don't we go to the game? He said, well, why don't you check and see what the tickets are? So we go online and find out that the upper-level tickets are running over $1,000. Well, I'd like to go to the World Series, but it's not my team. I don't know who they are. I don't know any of the players. I'm not paying $1,000. I'll just look out the window and watch it on TV and listen to the yells with the door open. You know, kind of get a, you know, a little bit of emotional effect of it. Yeah. But then Adam says, Bob, it's really cold. The game might rain out. There could be cancellations. He said, we, you know, uh, he said, uh, maybe we should just go over there and, and, and see because there could be some scalpers that are stuck with tickets because people don't come thinking it's going to be rained out and it's so cold. I said, okay, let's go now. He said, oh, no. He said, we don't want to go until after the national anthem. He said, because that's when the scalpers, see, part of increase thinking is recognizing timing. That's when the scalpers will be desperate to unload their tickets. So we go over there, we wait till the National Anthem, walk around, and sure enough, we were able to get two tickets in the eighth row behind the dugout for $350. See, why? Because we thought differently. But Adam, my goodness, after the, can you believe that? It was $1,000 up a level, and we went for $350. He said, oh, no, I made money on mine. I said, what? He said, yeah, during one of those inning breaks, he said, I went and bought 10 World Series baseballs and put them and advertised them on the phone, and I sold them for $50 each, and sold them got $400, so I made money coming to the World Series. <laughs> That's what it's all about. It's about having a different way we process, and it affects every area of our life. It even can add longevity to your life. I want to show one, one of my favorite pictures, and we'll get into the morning teaching. Uh, this is a picture of my mother on her 90th birthday. Oh, my mother was just an incredible, vivacious lady. We threw a gigantic party for her at the Marriott Hotel. My wife organized it. We did musical numbers on different aspects of her life. And in the final number, uh, uh, we, we, we brought this big cake out. And you can see the dancers all there. And everybody's applauding for Edna to walk on stage. But what they didn't know is my mother was in the cake. And she comes out of the cake and says, hi, everybody. <laughs> and to celebrate her birthday, my mom and I swam 90 laps in the pool together. And she drove there in her convertible to get to the pool to swim with me. So it can affect every area of your life. I want to share with you just one point today and maybe touch on a second one that I really believe can help you. And some of you today, if you catch not just the words that I say, but the spirit behind it, this could be a life-changing day for you. Because I'm going to share with you one of the keys that people have grabbed a hold of that are living a different life today only because they discovered the principle that I'm going to share with you today. And it's found in Luke, the fifth chapter. And in Luke, the fifth chapter... It's a great story of increase. It's a story of some 
business people, professional people in the fishing business, people that knew where to fish, people that did it for a living. And one day they went out fishing, or one night, and they caught nothing. And they came back discouraged and and working all night and having no income. And they're cleaning the nets, getting ready to go home. And they have an unexpected encounter with a man named Jesus. And Jesus challenges them to make some changes and to go back out again. And they obey what he tells them to do. And as a result, they have the greatest catch of their lives. Incredible story of increase. In the same 24-hour period that they had their worst failure, they had their greatest success. How many of you say that's a good turnaround? So Luke, the fifth chapter, says, And it came to pass, so people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, and he stood by the lake. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. You know, it's, it's not the subject today, but let me just divert for just two or three minutes on something I think is really important. And this might help some of you that, that deal with the area of finances and abundance and, and God's will concerning where you are in the financial arena. I want you to notice how Jesus reacted to their empty boats and their empty nets. Actually, I want you to notice how he did not react. When he saw their empty boats and their empty nets, he did not say to them, Oh, guys, I I see you had a bad night, but that's just the way life is. Sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. He said, I inspired somebody to write a song in this. Maybe you've heard of it. It goes like this. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. He didn't do that. When Jesus saw their empty nets, the first thing he did, he acknowledged that they were empty. Now, this is important. Because some people think faith is denying reality. Faith is not denying reality. Faith is recognizing reality, but believing you have a power greater than what you're seeing in the natural. So he didn't ignore the empty nets. He said, I see you have empty nets, but I don't want you to keep the empty nets. Now, there's the key. In other words, you might be there now, but I don't want you to stay there. I've got something else for you, and that is net-breaking, boat-sinking increase. And they could choose. They could choose to stick with the empty boats and the empty nets. And by the way, that was the easiest thing to do. Because to obey Jesus and to try again involved risk. It involved taking a chance. It involved possible failing again. But if they stayed there with the empty nets, oh my goodness, there was no risk to that. Actually, they could get sympathy. People would feel sorry for them. They could maybe get some empty net friends. Start an empty net Bible study. Create an empty net church. All to, all to reinforce their belief, I'm supposed to live with empty nets. But when they're trying to live with emptiness, Jesus is trying to tell them how to have abundance. And we all make that same choice. We can choose to stay where we are. Or we can recognize that God wants us to have increase. 
and we can begin to walk in the direction we feel he's telling us to go and we maybe can't see the increase maybe it's underwater just like fish are but when we get to the right place at the right time God's going to bring them up and bring it up and we experience a whole different life it's kind of like the the guy that uh, we had a Bishop Dale Bronner pastors a great church 10,000 plus church in Atlanta and he spoke for us one year in Hawaii and he shared this story about a fortune teller it was at the carnival, and he went to the uh, fortune teller, and he says, can you please tell me my fortune? And the uh, lady looks at his palm and says, oh, he said, doesn't look good. You're going to be broken, miserable for the next two years. He said, oh, no. Well, how about after two years? She said, oh, you'll still be broke, but you won't be miserable because you'll get used to it. <laughs> so God doesn't want us to get used to it. He wants us to begin to experience a life of increase. But the choice is ours. All right, let's get back to the story. So we go back to Luke, the fifth chapter. And we read on. And it came to pass, and then it said, And he entered one of the ships, which is Simon's. And he asked him to thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Anytime God tells you to do something, you will have a logical reason not to do it. But he's taken you out of the logical into the arena of faith because faith is where miracles are and faith is where change takes place and faith is where you can experience a different life. And when they had thus done, now notice this also, I don't have time to teach all this. Intention is good, but intention won't cause change. It's only when you do it. And when they had thus done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, so much so that it began to break. They beckoned their departures in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so much so that they began to sink. And that's what I want to key off of today. One of the things we teach in our seminars is if you want to know what somebody's really like, You've got to find out what's down in their belief system. You've got to find out what's in their subconscious because 95% of a person's decisions are made out of their subconscious. They're what we call instinctive reactions. They're made without thoughts. Prior to that particular event that they're facing or what they're hearing or what they're seeing, in their conscious mind, they've had an exposure to that in the past. And they said to the subconscious, if this comes up again, this is how you're going to react. So I don't have to think about it anymore. Like when I see a red light, I don't have to think about if I'm going to stop or not. Because sometime in the past, I hope I don't, sometime in the past, my conscious mind told my subconscious, when you see a red light, this is how you react. Don't bother me thinking about it anymore. Just do it. And that's how 95% of our decisions take place. So if you want to find out what somebody's really like, you got to find out what's down on the inside. Not what they're trying to make you think that they are, but what's the real person. And how do you find that out? In times of stress, in times of fear, in times of sudden change, what's down on the inside comes out, you bypass the conscious, and all of a sudden what's down there is revealed. So with that understanding, let's go back to this event. They're in the boat. They have so many fish, the boat's in danger of sinking. What should be the normal instinctive reaction if you're in a boat in danger of sinking? 
Number one, get the boat to shore. How many of you know that an empty boat that floats is more valuable than a full boat that sinks? So get the boat to shore. Number two, you think, well, they could jump out of the boat, but they can't because there's nets and fish all over the boat. If they jump, they get tangled in the nets, they could literally die. So the answer to saving their life is get to shore. Thirdly, they do not have a boat full of money. They have a boat full of potential money. The fish have to be sold to get their money. So their increase is at shore. So every force in the natural says go to shore. Save the boat, go to shore. Save our lives, go to shore. Get our money, go to shore. That's not what they did. What did it say in verse 7 that they did? They looked around and found another neighboring boat that was empty. They called that boat over, and now two boats are full, not one. And that's the why of increase. God wants to increase you, not just so your boat can be full. He wants to increase you because there's empty boats around you, and only when your boat is full can you make a difference in their boat. See, if your boat is empty and you have come across an empty boat situation, you can go to them and you can hug them. You can pray for them. You can give them compassion. But you can't affect change in their life because if you're empty, you have nothing to give. But if your boat's full, you can do all those things and you can reach out and make a difference in their life. So increase has a focus. And the focus is, I'm not in this for me. I'm in it to be a blessing. And that is the foundational focus of increase. That I want to have more. Not just so my needs can be met. Not just so I can have a bigger yacht or take a longer vacation or get a nicer home or a bigger house, whatever it might be. I want to have more so that my life can have a greater impact on my children, on my grandchildren, and the people that God brings me, connects me with unexpectedly in the future. The why of increase is taking our focus off of self and I'm putting our focus on being a blessing. And when that transition takes place, God supernaturally begins to do things in your life. Supernaturally, unexpected blessings show up because you're now not thinking about just you. You're thinking about being a blessing in the lives of other people. Now, I know some of you are thinking here today, I'm barely making it now. I'm struggling financially. And you're telling me that I need to start focusing on giving and being a greater blessing than I have before? Yes. Because, see, I'm talking about getting your finances out of the law of the natural into biblical law and getting the supernatural to work on your behalf. And in the supernatural, it's revealed in the Bible in the verse that God gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. Now, we're going to go maybe out of order. Can you find the, the puppet picture for me? See, picture A is the problem with many people in the way they think. Uh, by the way, I, I used to collect nutcrackers for a hobby, 
and ended up with 160 of them, and now I'm just distributing them out to family and friends. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. but, but in, in picture A is the way most people think. The postman brings me money, or I get money, and then I plant my seeds, or I give. But that's not God's way. It doesn't say, I give seed so you can become a sower. God's way says, no, you flip the order. When you become a sower, the mailman's going to show up with the money. So the key is we recognize, we give by faith, believing that God is going to give it back to us. And it's called the law of replenishment. Your body is designed to replenish what you give. And it happens not just physically, it happens in the financially. Uh, we have a book, I'm going to talk about it in a minute, called PowerPoints for Increase. 101 Bible-Based Success Strategies. Leaders love it because every chapter is two pages. And we share 101 different Bible-Based Success Strategies. In the last chapter, this is the headline in the last chapter, Men Gives 30 Gallons of Blood. According to the Red Cross... During his lifetime, an Oklahoma man has given over 30 gallons of blood. Now, let me ask you, have you ever met anybody that has 30 gallons of blood? No. How much blood do they have? Anybody? Five pints. You have five pints? You have five pints? You have five pints. So how in the world does a guy give 30 gallons of blood if he's only got five pints? I'll tell you how. He goes into the blood bank and they hook him up and he can see it in the jar. One pint of blood has left him. He walks out that door of the blood bank. He's only got four. So actually giving has cost him because now he has less than he had before. But the story doesn't end there. The minute he gives that blood, the body starts working to replace that blood. And within 48 hours, he's got five pints again. And every time he gives, it replenishes. And every time he gives, it replenishes. That man went to the blood bank 250 times. Why? He could do it because his body kept replenishing what he gave. And that's what God does for you. When you become a giver, he is going to replenish what you give. I'm not talking about, please, you know, sacrifice, you live with less. I'm talking about getting a divine flow where God is going to multiply your life, the joy in your life, the purpose in your life. Because now you become not a person that gives in special projects, not a person that gives in Sunday morning, but you're going to become a walking blessing machine. That's what I'm challenging you to be today. A walking blessing machine. Yes, it'll reflect itself in the church because as you begin to make more money, then, then your tithes is going to be more and, it's, and you're going to be a blessing to the church. But, but I'm talking about a lifestyle. I'm just not talking about a ritual. I'm talking about a lifestyle of being a blessing, of being sensitive to needs and responding to needs and believing that when you do that, God is going to multiply it back into your life. See, there's, there's people that are hurting around you, and you weren't even aware of it, maybe, because you haven't been tuned into or thinking about it. 
I, I had an occasion. I was at the Walmart Supercenter a while ago, and I was getting frustrated. Let me show you a picture. This is the lady in front of me. Two carts slow to stuff, and I'm trying to get out of there, and I just have this little bit. And, 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 and she's holding the baby, and I'm just thinking. And then, then she gets up there, and she starts handing out all these coupons, scanning the coupons, you know. And then after they scan the coupons, then she's pulling out food stamps. And I'm, I'm actually starting to get a little upset. I got, I'm in the wrong line. You know, I've, you know Lord, you, my steps are directed to you. How did you get me in this stupid line? You know, all these things are going through my mind. But then all of a sudden, my increase thought came up and said, you're here to be a blessing, not to be irritated. And I said, here she is having to take some things out because she didn't have enough food stamps and money to pay. And they're start, now, now it's getting worse. They're taking things off the register. And the Holy Spirit says, be a blessing. And I just said, late ma'am, save your food stamps for next time. Stuck my card in and bought her all the groceries. That's what I'm talking about. That out in the marketplace... We're sensitive to be a difference and make a difference in people's lives. Now, you say, but it's going to cost me. No, it's not. Dana, come here a second. Dana Libatory. This is Phil's wife. We always brag about Phil. He, I, Phil would self-destruct without her. <laughs> uh, Phil did something recently that normally you two confer on. Yes. And tell me, tell me about that. Well, I, I think it's Phil's mindset. I've learned uh, I've learned how to be a giver from him. But there was a there was a need uh, with the hurricane disaster relief. I was in Texas visiting my mom, and it was an urgent need. They needed it at the Dream Center in order to send the truck the next day. He couldn't reach me. We normally discuss our giving together and be in agreement, uh, but he went ahead. And, and met the need. Would you say the amount? Do you mind? No, twenty-five thousand. Okay, twenty-five thousand uh, dollars. You can only give twenty-five thousand if you're increasing. See? But because they're increasing, they can pay for the truck to get to the hurricane relief. You see what I'm talking about? Okay. Go on. Oh, okay. So he 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 said, I, I hope you didn't mind. I'd give twenty-five thousand, and I'm going. What? You did what? You did what? <laughs> and I said, No, I don't really mind that you gave it, but you know, we have an agreement. And he said, I know we have agreement. I couldn't reach you. I just felt urgent in my spirit. And I said, okay, then let's bless the gift. Let's be in agreement with the gift. The very next day uh, in our office, the very next day. Say next day. Next day. Let me show you caught that. God landed us our biggest client ever with, with, with $100,000 account, $100,000 account. Thank you so much. Wow. Do you, mind, do you mind sharing what we did on that little video last night? Would you rather be okay or not? Okay, come on. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't do it this way, but I just, you don't know me. I, I think it's good to hear from other people reinforcing what I'm talking about because my purpose here today is not just to fill a meeting. I don't need to do a meeting. My purpose here today is I believe that God wants to change the course of some of your lives out there, and he can only do it when you take on a spirit of generosity and you believe that your life is, is about being a blessing. And when that happens, everything's going to change in your life. You know, and so, share what you shared last night, the little video we did. Okay. So I was sharing with um, Bob that when we met Phil a few years ago, he kept asking us to go to the Increase Conference. 
And, um, and so we put it out for some time until we went in 2018. And our life, our business, everything started increasing. And I was telling him, we felt like we tapped into this anointing because this man and his ministry, he carried an anointing for the increase, not only in the finances, but also relationship in the business, in, in, your, in your family, everything. We could feel the increase in our life. So my office, well, it was, it's a long testimony, but one of the things that the Lord did when we partnered with this ministry, I was opening, my office was opening between 15, 20 cases a month. And after we partnered with Phil and with Bob Harrison, we started opening 50 cases a month. 15 to 50. 15 to 50. And, and most, at the time I did have a partner, but most of the cases were opened by me. So I felt the increase in the anointed. Um, it was kind of an impartation that we received through through this conference. And that's why we want him to be here today, because the Lord, there is not lacking. There is so much that the Lord can do in our life. It's such a breakthrough in, in every area. And then God wants to increase us. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So I want to challenge you today. If you want to have the greatest, happiest Christmas and have unexpected blessings come into your life, start this week looking for opportunities to make a difference in other people's lives. You hear a need, respond to the need. Whether it's at a church or whether it's you see something that touches your heart of a, of a disaster or something to respond to. Or whether it's a grocery store or whatever. Start getting awareness of some of the hurts that are around you. And realize that you've been placed there to make a difference. To be a blessing. And start then responding. And as you respond, wait and look and expect God to replenish that like the blood to Bernie so that you can keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And you'll get a new lifestyle that's going to cause unexpected increase in your life. There'll be joy and happiness and peace like you've never experienced before. And you will find your why. Your why is to be a blessing and make a difference every day of your life. And if you're willing to do that today... I want to pray with you. How many say, Bob, I'm going to do that. Between now and Christmas, I'm going to look for opportunities where I can be a greater blessing. If you're ready, let's say this together. Father, I come to you today, and I thank you for your word. And your word clearly shows you want me to be a blessing. So I make a decision. I am going to be generous. I am going to be a greater witness for you in the marketplace. And I believe as I sow, you replenish, and I can live a generous life. And I thank you now for the unexpected increase that's coming my way. Now thank you for that increase. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we praise you for that increase. Turn to two or three around you and say, I believe it's going to happen.